0: Yet another ranking system is out, and you'll never guess who's at the top.
1: And Tom Thibodeau needs to chill out and relax a little bit. And maybe
0: a Knicks fan needs to relax, although he's no longer a Knicks fan. He sold his fandom. How much is your worth? We're going to talk about it now on the Locked On NBA Podcast.
1: You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Welcome to the Locked On NBA Wednesday Show. I am John Corrales of the Locked On Celtics Podcast. Find my work on RedsArmy.com, Boston.com. Find me on Twitter, RedsArmy underscore John.
1: And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake, and all of my writing over at LockedOnPelicans.com.
0: Boy, we're almost there. Training camp media day is weeks, weeks away. We're getting there. Thank God, by the way. It's so close. It's so close. But amazingly, just to pull back the curtain for everybody here, we've had like big emails between all of the Lockdown NBA hosts and trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to get through August? And we pitched a bunch of ideas and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? We haven't done a single one of them because... We've been able to get through with various little stories and I, I think part of this is it shows how gear round the NBA is and how media outlets are great at kind of coming up with new new things to talk about even as teams and players are, are working their way through their offseason. So but here we are, man. September's around the corner. Camp's around the corner, and we're still talking about things that are actually happening. So that's pretty cool. One of the things that have hap- that has happened is uh, ESPN, out with a new set of projections. They are called the BPI Projections Basketball Power Index. Quick explanation, if you care, you can go to ESPN.com. They will kind of run through everything. Essentially, they take your projected offensive rating, defensive rating, your Vegas win total projections, uh, a, a few other different things. They put them into this formula and come out with a number that essentially means if this team faced an average NBA team, this would be the point spread. So, for example, the best team in the NBA, obviously the Warriors, Plus 7.6. So their metric says the Warriors at a plus 7.6 would be favored by seven and a half points against a, an average NBA team. Conversely, the Hawks are the worst. No surprise that the Hawks are the worst. Minus 6.4. So there you go. There's half the league is above average, half the league is below average, and we've come out with the rankings. So, long-winded explanation, but quickly. Warriors at the top, plus 7.6. Celtics, plus 5.4. Rockets, plus 4.9. Raptors, plus 4.4. 76ers,
1: fifth in the NBA, plus 4.3. Top five. They sound good to you, Jake? Yeah, I I don't really have a ton of complaints about that necessarily I think we all kind of realize those are the best teams here and since they're kind of looking at it when it comes to average teams I guess it does factor in the, the conference somewhat disparity at times there but I mean we all know the Warriors are still the best team in the league I think it's a toss up do you like the Celtics coming out of the east or the Rockets in the west a little bit more schedules things like that play a factor into it maybe the Rockets drop after losing some of their guys trying to figure out how to add Carmelo Anthony so I, I think it still makes sense the Raptors in theory, improved by adding Kawhi Leonard, the 76ers are the 76ers and one of the brighter young teams here. So, yeah, you know, lo- looks right. No homerism in me on this one.
0: My completely unbiased opinion is the Celtics at two is great above the Rockets. Absolutely perfect. No bias for me there either. That sounds good. <laughs> That sound convincing?
1: Yeah, you should be like an act. You know, you've got a new career uh, and everything. Well, you've got a new career coming up, kind of anyway. Yeah, as it right, is. But
0: right. <laughs> I should include um, a, an acting coach in there. But I think you're right. There, there is a toss up between the Celtics and the Rockets, and I do think strength of schedule, and that is part of the metric, helps that the Celtics, uh, I think, uh, will benefit from uh, the the East being weaker, especially at the bottom. Look, the the East has three of the top five all of them from the Atlantic Division. So there is that little bit of uh, toughness in the schedule for the Celtics. But after that, theres uh, there aren't many East teams to be found as we continue down the, the road there. So let's just get down 6 through 10. This might get interesting here. Thunder, 3.4. Lakers, 2.8. Jazz, 2.7. Nuggets, 2.5. Pacers, 1.9. I think the Lakers are a little high. I know that that involves the LeBron factor. I know that that is a big impact and that there is not much difference between the Lakers. It's a point three difference between the Lakers, Jazz and Nuggets. And I think I have the Jazz and Nuggets above the Lakers and probably the Pacers too. I think I would put the, I would put the Lakers down at 10 and just shift all of those teams up if I were Creating these out of no numbers, just putting them together.
1: yeah, I, I think that's about right. I would put definitely put the Jazz and the Nuggets above the Lakers. I think maybe people are sleeping on those two teams a little bit. They both dealt with a lot of injuries last year too, meaning that if they're healthy or kind of have around average health, they should be significantly improved. You know, the the Nuggets with Paul Millsap, the Jazz with Rudy Gobert only playing something like 58% of his team's games. I think the Lakers are so high again; it's the LeBron James factor, but there's a lot of intangible things that go along with that team. You're integrating an absolute ton of new guys. We've seen teams when LeBron jumps to them. We saw this in Miami where they struggled right off of the bat. And I think that maybe they don't reach their full potential till later in the season when they're really hitting their stride. And does this kind of metric really take into those kind of things into account? And I'm not entirely sure about that. So I'm kind of with you. You know, there's still. Uh, questions of fit and certain things like that with the Lakers too I think they're definitely a little bit too high on that and you and I both kind of talked about this but the the LeBron fact, factor strong last week on the podcast we said he would beat five like good <laughs> decent basketball players in a gym playing one on five so you know I maybe I shouldn't say anything that. <laughs> <laughs> that one was fun again it's we're in the offseason but me, so you know maybe based off of that he just beats scrubs in a gym they should be rated seventh
0: sure let me ask you if this is an accurate statement. The Lakers have the greatest difference between their possible ceiling and their possible floor going into this season of, um, of every NBA of every NBA team.
1: I, I'm like trying to think about this on the flight, so I'm going to say no because Le, LeBron makes your floor pretty damn high, even in the Western Conference. So they're not quite. Say as boom or bust as maybe other teams are just because their flows, uh, their floor is lower. Their ceiling's pretty high because of LeBron James too, but it's still not going to be reaching the levels of say the Rockets or the Warriors. So I actually think that window between their, their ceiling and their floors may be shorter than you do, but that's based off of again, the LeBron James factor. And so I think if I really spent some time and I'll look at this while we're going through this and see if I can come up with another one, I think that's maybe the reason why the, the ceiling and the floor could be kind of wider for other teams.
0: I mean, that's fair. I mean, I I, I think it's – and maybe I'm swayed by the people – I've seen people say the Lakers may not even make the playoffs, but that that's, I think, taking into a worst-case scenario. I think the worst-case scenario is them not making the playoffs because the West is so stacked, and it might just be one of those things where they uh, – people start to argue, see, this is why we should just seed 1 through 16 because the Lakers would be a fifth seed in the East type of thing. But uh, I, I do think that there's a possibility the Lakers don't make the playoffs. And the ultimate best-case scenario is that they uh, come up as high as, I think, third in the, in the West. Who knows? But that's, that's everything going completely right. I still don't think they're better than the Rockets in, in that scenario. But anyway, let's move on. If by the end of this you have a better answer, then we'll see. Let's get to the, the uh, rest of the pluses moving forward here. So uh, 11th Pelicans plus 1.6, Timberwolves 1.4, Bucks 1.4, Spurs 1. Even Wizards 0.7, Blazers 0.4. Those are all the teams that are above average in the BPI. I would say, okay, so the Bucks and the Timberwolves are higher. I would slot the Bucks maybe above the Pelicans. Just, I, I think, and it's, I hate close. you. It's point two, but there's two, there's two reasons You're dead why. to me. <laughs> two reasons why. I think it's the East, first of all, and, and they benefit from the East. And, and two, uh, I just have a feeling that Giannis takes another step forward. I know you guys have a guy named Anthony Davis and the, it's, it's, it's very close. I assume you think the Pelicans are just fine where they are.
1: Yeah, I I might have them rated a little bit higher. This is probably a better Pelicans team, at least on paper, on opening night than they were in the playoffs. That's mostly due to the fact that they didn't have DeMarcus Cousins, and now, because he would have been injured during this time, so he's not playing, and you sub in Julius Randle, and I don't think the drop-off from Rondo to Alfred Payton is as severe as it could be, kind of given their circumstances, but there's still questions here with losing Rondo. Losing Cousins long-term, I think, hurts them too, but I think they're a better team on paper, so that would Lead me to believe they're going to be slightly ahead of other teams, and I kind of put them maybe around the the Nuggets and Pacers kind of in there, but that's where they are. So overall, I'm not really going to complain much about this. And we saw Anthony Davis in that fast paced system just be an absolute monster, and hopefully he can keep that up. I think the ones that are most fun to me about these are the two that are still positive, but just barely. You've got the Blazers at point four and the Wizards at point seven. And these are two teams, I think you and I might agree that maybe they just need to blow up the Blazers and then the Wizards, these are two teams that are just kind of mired at barely above 500. You can't really dismantle them because of the star power there and things like that and then go into a rebuilding mode, but these two teams just aren't going anywhere. I don't know, this kind of just bears out my like eye test in the way I think about those two teams.
0: I I feel like the Wizards and the Blazers are the same team. Obviously they have different personnel and it's it's a very gross overgeneralization, but They both have monster backcourts. They both have a ton of talent. They both have faced a a bit of disappointment to varying degrees. And again, very different ways. But they're teams that are in the same spot that this is their last chance. And if by February these teams are, are disappointing in any way, we're looking at a very real possibility of both of those teams trying to figure out how do you move forward without one of their key players. And so for them to be so close at the middle of the pack is very fitting, very fitting to me. Uh, and there's plenty of time to talk about that. I mean, geez,
1: those two—that's are... like an entire. We could do a, a full 30 minutes easily on each of those two teams and kind of the weird situations there. They might be like case studies for the future, for yeah, all we know.
0: No kidding. All right, so let's let me ask you this. I'm going to read off in order from the Heat at point two on down the the teams that are in the negative, and you tell me if any of these teams should be in the positive. Heat, again, .2, Pistons, minus 1.6, then in order, Clippers, Mavericks, Grizzlies, Hornets, Nets, Magic,
1: Calves, Suns, Knicks, Bulls, Kings, Hawks. You know, no, I think there's maybe Three on there, you could make the case should be closer to positive. I think maybe now that I think about it, the team with maybe the biggest ceiling, to biggest floor could be the Grizzlies. Don't forget, they still have Conley and Gasol, and mm-hmm. that can get you pretty far. They were really banged up last year, kind of in a weird situation. But if that gets stabilized, in theory, they're not – maybe in the playoffs, but I think they might be in the like kind of outside conversation of it. Same thing kind of with the Mavericks. They've improved. They added that center they've really wanted for a long time. Um, Doncic is going to just be fun as all hell to watch, so I'm kind of excited there. They're probably still a year or two away. But then you've got a team like the Hornets. It's the Eastern Conference. You've still got Kemba Walker. Nick Batum might kind of uh, revert back to form, and maybe one or two other guys kind of take a bit of a step forward there, and I think they could be a better team than people are are expecting.
0: Yeah, I agree. The Clippers are intriguing. If they stay healthy, they can be a positive. The Grizzlies, I think you're dead on with that. They could be surprising. The Hornets have kind of morphed into my darling selection in the East. Uh, I just have this this, this feeling. i got to take a closer look. Uh, but I, I just keep coming back to the Hornets being better than they were last year and, and better. And, and maybe it's just my Dwight Howard bias. I think the addition by subtraction is going to be big. So that's your BPI. Plenty more uh, on that coming up. Uh, you go to ESPN.com to check that out. Interesting conversation. Did you know the Lockdown Network is expanding exponentially? We've already got the NBA covered. We've got the NFL covered. We're sliding into baseball, pun intended. And the Lockdown Network is now expanding with college shows. We are launching soon shows for Alabama. Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee in the SEC, Florida State in the ACC, Oklahoma, Baylor from the Big 12, Ohio State, Penn State in the Big 10, and Oregon in the Pac-12 with more to come. So look for your alma mater, your favorite school, whatever it is. If you're a fan of college, and these Lockdown Podcasts will cover all sports, Lockdown Kentucky will cover Kentucky football. Would cover Kentucky basketball. It's locked on that school. So watch for those on the Locked On Podcast Network. Interesting story in the Minnesota Star Tribune talking to uh, Tom Thibodeau, the coach, uh, talking about recharging Coming back, he knows he has to recharge. He knew he had to kind of relax, uh, telling the Star Tribune, I know I have to recharge now that I'm back here in Minneapolis. I walk around the lake quite a bit. It's beautiful here in the summer. He's talking here about kind of relaxing, getting back to his normal self. Uh, they they talked to um, a, a longtime friend of Thibodeau, and he says, Tom's not the guy you see screaming on the sideline. And then he catches well, he is
1: that guy. That uh, made me laugh so hard. He yeah. is totally the screaming dude. We see him on a nightly basis do that.
0: Right. He's the screaming guy, but he's also more, they say, he says, quote, there's more to him than that. And look, you've seen the pictures. I've seen the pictures of Tom Thibodeau smiling and relaxed. He's calm. And then you see him on the sideline. And he sounds like a couple of mating gorillas on the sideline grunting out, uh, just direction. And it's, it's, it's crazy. I think the biggest thing for me when it comes to Tibbs is that he's too intense. He's, he's, he's into it too much. And the, this admission that he knows he needs to recharge, I think somebody needs to get to him and says, you need to relax and, and you need to kind of dial it down a notch and find another way to channel that intensity. I'm afraid he's going to, to, to have a serious health problem here.
1: Look th- that's been a thing in recent years where you see coaches taking leaves of absences and different things like that because their 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 job is just as pressured Packed, if not more so than maybe the players, because ultimately they're kind of the scapegoat and the fall guy for a lot of these things, and when you're screaming on the sideline in a defensive stance the entire game, yeah that's not going to do a whole lot of good for your your physical health and also your mental health with that so you know it, it's no surprise that he's talking about how you know he's like a different person in the off season he needs to maybe channel some of that into the regular season, but all coaches kind of take a break and need to recharge a little bit, and i'm glad he goes for nice long walks against uh, alongside the <laughs> the lake. Um, but, you know, I think it's how does he kind of reinvent himself in a way? And look, there's no denying that he's been a successful coach. You, you can look at his record and it's well above 500. So, yes, he is. But, man, you've just got to wonder if that kind of style he has, too, can really take him to an NBA championship and if players in 2018 are going to kind of respond to that sort of thing. And that's my biggest question there. Does his intensity and the way he's just kind of wired in the moment and maybe just during the season, ultimately kind of undermine him a little bit. And maybe if he is kind of this other person in the offseason, how do you kind of maybe merge those two together and blend them together to find a style that's really going to work?
0: Yeah, this is a great, I think, topic for when you look at the coaches. And we've had a couple of coaches. Um, Steve Clifford taking a leave of absence. We had yep. um, uh, Tyronn Liu take a leave of absence dealing with health issues due to lack of sleep, uh, anxiety, and, and mental health. There are issues, very real issues, when it comes to coaches. And I think it's a very interesting time because it used to be that the coach had to set an example of being there when you got there and being there when you leave and just always seeming like he lives at the facility, wherever it is. I think now there has to be a little bit of an adjustment to understand that there is an ability to be intense without doing it that way. And for a guy like Thibodeau, and again, I say this out of actual literal concern for his health. I think these guys who have this old school mentality need to understand that I think today's players – see things a little bit differently. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You can still have that intensity, but you can still have that time to yourself that you can recharge during the season. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to say. Th- Tibbs is his own guy, and this is just his personality. This is how he got here, and it's hard for him to, to change, and it's hard for somebody to say, you should change, because he's progressively gotten – More success as far as win totals, but at the same time, the type of person that he is shows in how he drives his players, and the biggest criticism of him is how hard he drives his players.
1: Yeah, no and I mean that's that's the biggest thing and you just like I said it, it kind of feels like it maybe comes from that intensity and when you look at maybe some of these other coaches now that are entering the league that are kind of maybe more player friendly I think that's kind of the big thing look I heard it here in New Orleans when you had Monty Williams the head coach who's kind of of that that old school mindset that that Tibbs comes from and players hated having three hour practices the day after games and different things like that so I think that's just it's it's really something you need to kind of consider with this that ultimately it's just good for you man like don't don't it's a basketball game it's not actually life or death like these coaches want people to believe it is and you shouldn't let it get to that point
0: yeah it's almost like the theory that at some point as you're traveling around the world like you're getting to a place and then at some point you go so far that you're starting to to return and the point of You get to a point where you're working towards a goal, and then at some point you're going backwards. Thinking you keep, you're keeping, you're keeping moving forward, you keep moving forward, but in reality, you're getting closer to where you started than your actual destination. And I I think that there has to be a balance. And I'm a big personal believer in balance. You can tell when your life is out of whack. And, and when you have the proper balance, I think that's when everything really starts to click. And some guys, to get as successful as they are, they, they willingly do not have that balance. And for them, that seems to work, and it gets them to a place where they want to be. Whatever their definition of success is, I think they might be sacrificing a little more than they think. And I think there's a way for Thibodeau to... Be the coach that he wants to be, without being this intense. And and the fact that his friends can say this is who he is, and he is, but it's also not who he is, is a is an indicator of. I think he just kind of needs to have a little bit of introspection and see, and kind of you know get himself back to a a more positive place.
1: Yeah, fully agree with you right there on that part.
0: All right, so Tibbs. Light a candle, get some incense, do some meditation after practice. Take a bath. Relax. Yeah, some nice bubbles, you know, some nature sounds. That'll be fine. Maybe you can play a little fantasy sports. There are a couple of fantasy podcasts you should be listening to. Locked on Fantasy NBA. We're doing team-by-team previews. I did mine with the Boston Celtics. Jake, you just did yours with the Pelicans. They're rolling through, so subscribe to Locked On Fantasy for the Locked On Fantasy NBA team-by-team previews, really drilling down who you should and shouldn't be drafting. It's also crunch time for fantasy football, and Locked On is delivering there as well. Locked On has a brand-new fantasy football show on Fantasy Football 24-7. Fantasy Football 24-7 will give you the latest trends, hot roster moves, uh, and where to get the advantage. Plus, Ethan Turner, the injury expert, gives you the edge. So... Search for Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7, Locked On Fantasy NBA. Search for those in your app store. Go ahead. Go through your drafts. We will help you win your league. All right, Jake. We're NBA fans. We're fans of our own teams. I'm a lifelong Celtics fan. You're a Pelicans fan.
1: Would you ever sell your fandom? You know, I'm just going to come out and say absolutely. Yo, right. so, oh, like 100. If I put a price tag on it, you'd have a price tag. I'd, I so I'd have to depend. There's a lot of different factors in this, and you know it depends on. So what we're basing this off the the New York Knicks guy story, right?
0: Yes, Evan Pearlmutter, who is a 33 year old who lives in Hoboken, New Jersey, put his NBA allegiance up on eBay. It was titled "Infuriated Knicks Fan Has Enough." Selling my fandom that got all over Twitter. It's been on TV news in New York City. It's everywhere. And he has uh, basically for about $3,500 sold his Knicks fandom off and become a Lakers fan. Which means he's going to burn a bunch of jerseys. He's going to buy a bunch of jerseys. He's going to put $500 of that on the Lakers over win total. So he's financially invested literally, in them winning. And so he's kind of sold his stuff off. He's getting like a, a plate a thing for his license plate, a Lakers thing for his license plate. So, yeah. So he has sold off his Knicks fandom for about 3500 bucks.
1: So this guy is probably the smartest dude I've heard about in a while. So i heard some of the things he's going to do. So what is $3,500? Let's say he's putting, as you said, $500 on the Lakers over, so he's got a little bit more incentive to root for him. And let's say he spends $500 on new Lakers gear and then maybe some of the cost of that of, like, burning the old Knicks stuff since that's apparently a thing that he's going to be doing too. So at the minimum, he's netting – $2,500? $2,500? Is that fair to kind of say it's here? Somewhere Just around that far. Yeah. park, 2, 000, ball park 2, it like that? Sure. Yeah, if, my, if I was rooting for the Knicks next season, I would take a year off of rooting for him for $2,500 when you know they're going to be bad. When Porzingis isn't coming back until January or so, this dude is smart. He's not living in New York City where that $2,500 isn't going to do anything for you. He's living in Hoboken. That's got to go a lot further out there. And now he's investing it potentially in the Lakers over, and if they hit, he's gonna win money on there. Some like compound interest type stuff going on.
0: He could, he could invest that money. It could come, come, come back pretty strong. Uh, my favorite part is the fact that the Knicks actually put out a statement. <laughs> Wait, mean, really? Yeah. <laughs> Quote, we're sure our millions of loyal Knicks fans won't mind losing this attention grabbing gentleman. We remain focused on the upcoming season with a hardworking team that is proud to represent New York and its dedicated fans. First of all, awesome that this guy got the Knicks to respond. Amazing, amazing troll job. This guy's absolutely going to be back in the garden within a year or two. Absolutely. 100%. I think Kevin Knox is going to be a pretty good player. I think they're actually on the come up a little bit, and they're making somewhat competent moves. They're actually displaying some financial restraints.
1: It's amazing. I have so. Well, but they, they're just biding their time till they can sign Kyrie Irving. And when that uh, happens, this guy is just <laughs> jump, jumping right back in there.
0: That that was for my Pelicans comment earlier, wasn't it?
1: I had to get you back somehow.
0: Yeah, sure. So, OK, what would you sell your Pelicans con- fandom for?
1: So, look, there's more that goes into this decision than just, like, whatever they're going to give me. So I have season tickets, so that presumably means I'm either selling those or not spending the money on them. So that adds some money back into this, too. I'll, I'll fully admit I buy a lot of beer and drinks at the Pelicans game. So if corners. I'm not going to all of those games, I'm saving a lot of money that way. And all of a sudden, we're, like, three or four layers deep here where I'm coming <laughs> out, like, way ahead. What's a beer go yeah. for at the uh, Smoothie King Center? It's, well, so it depends. You're getting like the local brews, you're getting something else, but it's fairly reasonably priced. I say anything under ten dollars a beer is pretty good in a in a an NBA arena. $10? So, yeah, man, way less than that at times. So, see, like we also have high percentage beers. That's a great thing. Anyway, we are off off the rails here a little bit. So, like all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm keeping a lot more change in my pocket here. So, I think that's kind of a great thing. Now, I think it also is a whole lot easier to do this when your team is been perpetually bad poorly run like say i don't know the kings or is expected to kind of have like a one-year down season you're gonna need to offer me a little bit more this coming season here in new orleans with anthony davis and uh, you know us hopefully being better than the 11th best bpi team but certainly it's on the table i don't know if you threw uh, i don't know five six grand at me plus the other money i'm gonna save like i'm gonna definitely be considering this
0: i don't know if i could do it man I don't know if I can do it. I don't know what kind of number. Like, you would think that there is some kind of number out there that would cause me lifelong. Like, I grew up in Rhode Island. I went to college and worked in Boston forever, ever, ever. I'm quitting my regular job to go back to Boston and and cover the Celtics. I am a Boston guy.
1: Oh, you've got way more, like, invested in this than I'd say most other people do. So, like, yours is definitely going to be harder.
0: sure. But at some point, there's got to be a way for me to fake it, right? Like I could, I could buy some Celtics. If I knew I was getting a good amount of money, I could like buy some Celtic stuff, put on a show, song and dance, burn some stuff, wear a thing, occasionally tweet out like, "Yay, go, whatever team." And then, not the Lakers though. I could not do it for the Lakers. I could not do it for the Lakers.
1: So like someone Absolutely. offers you a hundred million dollars. You're saying like, sorry, I'm gonna still root for the Celtics and not root for the Lakers.
0: Well, I mean, a hundred million dollars is a hundred million dollars. So we well, I don't know. Look, you're look,
1: saying there was no look, number here. Paul, yeah, Paul Pierce
0: was a <laughs> Lakers fan. They gave him a hundred million dollars to play for the Celtics for fifteen years. Uh, he made, he made it work. So. I could do a lot with a hundred million dollars. <laughs> All, All right, right, so we know we I think,
1: know one number.
0: <laughs> I think it, I think self expand would would understand. Like for a hundred million dollars, I will fake it until like the checks clear, and then I'd be like, "All right, sucker, got you." you gotta get out,
1: get out of the country. Now they can't do anything but, about uh, that. Trying to move to those a, contracts I'd, when you're in Mexico.
0: Yeah, I'd have to move to one of those countries that does not have an extradition extradition treaty with the United States. That's for sure. But hey, look, I could afford to. Hundred million dollars? A billion. Yeah, I don't know what a real is. Like, I couldn't do it for ten grand. I couldn't do it for twenty. Like, I couldn't do it for twenty grand. Like, I couldn't. I just couldn't. Even for one season? No. A late, as a Lakers fan? No. They have LeBron.
1: Do it. No. God. No. They have 5%, no, no, They have a five percent chance to, to make <laughs> the NBA finals. They'll be in the finals.
0: Oh, uh, this seems like a good place to end the show. End- <laughs> um uh it's an interesting question if you want to tweet us I'm at Red's Army underscore John Jake is at Nola Jake tweet us let us know what's the price of your fandom would you sell your fandom I need to know if you are a lifelong fan of a team would you do it uh, and if if you would what's the price I need to know the price. Uh so okay, that's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening, everybody again. Jake's Nola Jake uh, and he's the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. I'm the host of Locked On Celtics. I'm Reds Army underscore John on Twitter. Search for that. Again, subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. We are daily, we remain daily through the course of the off season. If that's not dedication enough, we're here through August and September for you still daily, regularly throughout the dead of the offseason. It's enough for you to subscribe. It's enough for you to give us five stars. David locks back tomorrow. This has been the Locked On NBA Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.